Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So, welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. Uh, this week, we're focusing again on another episode for my series that I'm doing, Women in Property. It's a series that I'd like to take full credit for, but I can't because it was actually my wonderful wife who suggested that, James, you should be speaking to more ladies in properties because your podcast seems to be very man-focused and man-heavy. And I'm so glad I took her advice on because this series has allowed me to speak to some really, really amazing ladies that, you know, you see them out in the public eye, you see them in the social scene, and they they just kind of stay relatively quiet. Um, but when they came onto the podcast, I was just blown away at the level of projects some of these ladies are involved in, the size of the projects, and some of the things that women are generally involved in. I just found that the ladies are keeping it really, really quiet, you know, just cracking on with it, getting on with it, and not saying too much, whereas the men are always out on social, like, oh, I'm doing this renovation, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. So I thought, you know what? But what better way of putting some of the men to shame than getting some really powerful ladies onto the podcast and speaking to them about their experiences. So my guest today has already been on the J2Hub podcast before, but she's been on as a power duo involved in HMOs. Um, And today I'm speaking to Mary Osman from the Elite Investor Group on her own, talking about her as a lady in property. So Mary, welcome to the J2Hub podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me, James. It's a pleasure to be here. No worries at all. Now, I, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of speaking to you before. I know who you are and what you do. But some of the listeners might not know what you're about and what you're involved in. I think you do some really amazing projects. And we'll talk about some of those in a moment. But for the benefit of the listeners, do you want to just let them know who Mary Osman is and, and what you're all about and what you do? Absolutely. Thank you, James. So yeah, my name is Mary. I'm one half of Elite Investor Group in property. And um, I am an architect who's turned into a property developer and investor. And so I've been an architect for the past 15 years, absolutely loved buildings um, and um, anything to do with design and being creative. Um, And uh, about five years ago, and myself and the other half decided to um, quit our jobs because we were so um, uh, we were so consumed in the uh, commercial scene, commercial architecture, designing amazing, huge buildings for um, uh, for everyone else, and we just we needed to take a break from our nine till twelve midnight days. <laughs> <laughs> packed up our bags and and uh, went and saw some amazing amazing different places in the world and realized that there's probably a different way to live other than doing nine till 12 midnights and um after lots of to- towing and throwing um i uh, because they, our interest and my interest was so much into um architecture and buildings and property really made sense. And that's how um, I came onto the property investment and um, the scene myself 
and been loving it ever since. So the uh, buildings that I'm involved in is HMO. So we have a HMO portfolio. Um, we do have a small um, service accommodation portfolio as well. So we are familiar with rent service accommodation. Um, and now we're building up a, a really good portfolio of HMOs. And uh, being a commercial architect myself, um, you know, uh, HMOs are really nice size of buildings to work with. Um, and when we perfect that or when I perfect that, I intend to get bigger and bigger because commercial conversions and things like that seem very uh, straightforward to me. <laughs> so I hope that gave you a bit of a gist. I do actually, um, I'm a lecturer as well in architecture and interior architecture. Wow. Well, you've got a lot going on. Mary, before I get into some uh, questions about your strategies and what you do, do you want to tell the listeners, because I think you just drummed this down a little bit, you're an architect, but you're not just a normal architect. I know you've worked on some amazing projects. So do you want to just share some of the things you have worked on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've worked on, just being a, um, a commercial architect, I've worked on really interesting, really big projects, but really varied because um, when I kind of first set out as being an architect, I didn't really know what field to go into. Um, so I worked for really big firms uh, working on really, really big projects. So I started working on projects like big super hospitals and, um, you know, the London Underground. Um, I was one of the architects for the um, Tottenham Court Road. I was working on the Tottenham Court Road station with Arup and you know, huge engineering um, companies like that. I would say London Underground, things like that seem really cool and glamorous. There's not that much design that goes in it. <laughs> kind of got bored there. <laughs> So, yeah, but really, you know, it really interesting projects like that. And then um, other projects. So I've worked both in London, in Manchester and also in Sydney, Australia. So in Manchester, I've been involved with heritage buildings like um, the Corn Exchange. If some of you listeners know the Corn Exchange, it's an absolutely gorgeous building um, in the city centre that we converted into food and beverage halls and then a hotel above um, and then in Australia, I worked with uh, the mayor of Shanghai because uh, he wanted this uh, amazing jewel of a building for himself in Sydney. And um, I worked on a multi-residential development uh, with him uh, in a firm that was basically, he just wanted everything made out of marble and gold. <laughs> wow. And convinced him not to go for gold. <laughs> because it's not trendy. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, everything was in marble. And I think basically one of the apartments sold for about 13 million pounds. Wow. I know, it was absolutely mental. I remember kind of speaking to one of my colleagues at that point and saying so we were designing this thing right and like putting marble everywhere and stuff like that and being like and then the reality hit us and we said every square meter of this building costs 30k and at that time I couldn't afford one square meter of this building it's <laughs> 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 like like I can't afford this place <laughs> I know it was absolutely amazing but yeah I've worked on really really interesting projects and kind of 
developing those skills and everything, understanding, uh, working with other property developers and understanding how the rigor that they go, go through, how they work, who they work with, and how they kind of leverage their time um, really like opened up my eyes to, you know, what I should be doing rather than kind of working behind the desk all the time. No, fair enough. Mary, what was it that led you to a career in architecture? Uh, I really, really loved design. I just always uh, loved design, loved drawing, painting, all the rest of it. Um, and it was, it was kind of, I didn't think, oh, I'll, I'll go be an architect. You know, some people who are like, oh, I really like, um, so most people, especially guys, <laughs> in architecture when you're like oh you know what led you to be an architect and they're like I really like playing with Lego (laughs) (laughs) I did like playing with Lego but uh, (laughs) but that wasn't really it I just yeah I just really like design but being um coming from an Asian background we always kind of want to be the top of our game. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you've got to be the best of whatever you're interested in. Most people tell you to be a doctor anyway. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, I just have to pick something that's on top of the arts and design. Mm-hmm. And uh, sat with a careers advisor, didn't I? And they were like, oh, yeah, you should do architecture. It's great. It'll give you loads of money. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> if I see her again, I'll be like, loads of money. <laughs> so she she sold me a bit of a false myth um but uh, uh yeah it you know looking back at it i wouldn't change a thing it was it was a really good experience wow wow no so when you went into architecture when you graduated and you went off and got your first job um did you find it was a a man heavy profession or was it quite balanced Oh my God, balanced. <laughs> it was, there wasn't, I think when I, so when I first um, became a chartered architect, I, I, I was building this, uh, I was designing and building a building in Oldham near uh, Manchester. It's not a glamorous part of the world, but it's great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was a five-story building and things like that. And I used to, every week I used to go to site uh, to review site and uh, have site meetings and stuff like that. And there wasn't a single woman on site. There was never a single woman on site. Wow. And it was, it was really intimidating. It, it like, yeah, I think it took me a year to get used to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, um, uh, yeah, it took it, it took me a long time to get used to it and not being intimidated by older men as well. It wasn't just, I used to turn up to meetings, not just on site, but in my office as well. And I would be the only young woman there surrounded by middle-aged men. So mm-hmm. you really have to develop a voice as well, um, which which is really difficult being like, oh, just become an architect. <laughs> and, now, and now I have to actually like stand my ground, uh, you know, a, against or like towards these guys who are looking at me thinking, why is she here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let wow. alone she's, you know, she's the architect on the job. So it means I'm responsible for designing and coordinating all of these middle-aged men 
Mm. And I actually went through like periods of not just being intimidated, but them saying things to me to in- intimidate me and kind of put me down and things like that, just so they could, you know, get on with it and do what they want. Um, to a point where, it's a funny story. Um, so I, it's just it's just side stories, really. Um, I was on site one day. This is when I grew grew a bit more confidence, you know became became a bit more confident in myself but um I was on site one day the, the site guys knew me and stuff like that but it was towards the end of the project and I was doing snagging and it was this big building I was doing snagging and I was going around and stuff like that and there was an there was an elderly kid you know there was an elderly man and he was just doing the cleaning he was cleaning all the like internal glazing and stuff like that because we've created lots of these um meeting pods and things like that and um he he looked around came over at me and said hiya love are you lost and I just looked at him and I was like and it just it took me a minute I was just like what and he was like, you lost love. Like, right. <laughs> I was like, actually. So, you know, I'd grown some whatever women have. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, actually, I know every beam that's in this building. I know every brick that's on every wall. And I know every, uh, you know, circulation, ventilation duct that's been placed in this building. So, no, I'm not lost. But thanks for, you know, thanks for asking. <laughs> what was his response to that? <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> really taken aback. Uh, and that there was I, I was like snagging the building bless him I think people who are older as well they just don't expect it so I can't be harsh um but yeah they've never seen women on site and things like that so um so yeah it, it was it took I think like I said it took me a year to actually grow some confidence and I think a lot of confidence comes as well in knowledge so the more you know the more you actually carry yourself better it's not mm-hmm. um it's not so much the case of fake it till you make it you actually have to know <laughs> <laughs> what you're talking about <laughs> otherwise you can't talk it anyway so I think, yeah, yeah, a lot of my confidence came in knowledge and I just be- became a sponge. I used to take in so much information and I used to do so many late hours just because I wanted things to be right and I wanted to know things and I wanted to research things and literally go and research absolutely everything. So I knew in the next meeting or next next site visit, I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> wow. Do you think you're already at a disadvantage then walking in from someone who may have been a bloke walking in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If, um, I think there's, there's a, I mean, we all know there's obviously very different um, personality types and like both women and men have different personality types. But I think um, uh, sort of more so in men and in men in kind of those, the construction careers, they come forward um, a lot more confident, even if they're the same age as you and they know the same amount of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was doing my uh, I think it was my so architecture has part one part two and chartership so after my undergraduate studies I had a year of industry where I was working um, in a big firm called BDP it's a really really nice firm actually loved working there Um, but we were working I kid you not on um, so this was 
now you'll know how old I am. We were <laughs> working on 10 Libya campuses when Colonel Gaddafi was still in power. <laughs> well. <laughs> and, you know, I think it was for his 40th anniversary or something like that. But he he was really high on education anyway. So we were we were creating these um, ten university campuses. Absolutely amazing experience because as young as I, I was, I was I was designing huge buildings. I was mm. designing these amazing buildings and getting loads of experience of how to design buildings in a hot climate. We were building it in the middle of the Sahara Desert, and they were going to get you know all these materials, water, everything. They were like new mini little like cities in the middle of the Sahara Desert. So that was really amazing. But um, uh, kind of come, coming back to the point, so we were working in big teams and there were guys, there was a, like, I think there was, I don't know, six guys and six girls or something like that. But I think there was less girls actually. There were three or four girls, six, seven guys, all like same age. We were doing all the drafting and everything like that. Um, for the project and we had a review we had a six-month review and they we had to rank ourselves uh, like out of five and all the girls kind of ranked themselves like three you know I'm all right I'm learning no guys ranked themselves out of fives <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> and um I was only in the meeting with my director and he was like, why have you ranked yourself a three? He was like, you and the other girl are the best, you know, uh, kind of um, graduates we've had. And we've had these guys ranking themselves at fives. I didn't even know they ranked themselves at fives. <laughs> you guys have ranked yourselves at threes. And I was like, oh my God. That, you know, that was the start of realization of oh my god I think very differently to the guys and my experience in this career mm. is going to be very different um but yeah learning that early on is good because you can do something about it mm. no no I, I hear you yeah it's um you only have to look around I mean you go to networking events uh when I go to networking events I always see the men are just like oh I'm working on this I'm doing this I'm doing this and the ladies you can see they kind of give them a bit of a look to think really and it's always the men are just like it's always about me 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 what I'm working on what I'm doing where I find where every time I talk to a lady at a networking event it's more so let's find out about the person before you go in and delve into whatever project you're doing so I totally understand where you're coming from where you say those guys are ranking themselves at five I'm I'm surprised they weren't trying to rank themselves at sixes and sevens you know (laughs) numbers that didn't even exist on the scale (laughs) I would say though that um uh, kind of women have a, a, an advantage in certain other aspects for example um, sort of building relationships with state agents building relationship with vendors things like that mm-hmm. I think um, females females are seen I know we have a very warped world but females are seen as a bit more honest and trustworthy mm-hmm. um, so in my experience uh kind of between me and my other half and kind of other people that we see in business um i find that females are kind of considered better candidates to state agents to vendors and stuff like that and you know i myself have done pretty well with direct vendors <laughs> um so yeah i think we do we do have kind of whereas kind of males are seen as 
kind of benefiting in some senses females are definitely also benefiting yeah yeah no i'm i'm, I'm with you on that one i'm with you on that one because I, I find um the men will kind of go in and say oh i'm looking for a house that can be converted into hmo that's 30 percent below market value i'm a cash <laughs> buyer have you got anything for me and it's like who's this pleb get him out of the office straight away whereas uh, you know looking totally different and it's like hi dave how's your day going you having a good time you know and you've automatically put someone at ease and i've i've learned this from from uh watching ladies in estate agents when i've been sitting there i've learned some techniques myself where now when i speak to an agent i am number one focused on finding out everything about that agent and his personal life Nice, before yeah. I go in and ask him about a single property. And that's really, really worked in my favor because I found I'm now getting stuff offered to me where previously I, I wouldn't have got a look in. And I think it's purely been through relationship building, just having a, you know, reaching out to an agent every so often and just saying, uh, look, I'm not calling you to see if you've got anything, but I am actually calling you to see if you've got anything. Yeah. But <laughs> it's more so let's have a catch up, you know. You've moved to your new house. How's that going? You told me you were getting a new kitchen. How's that going? And then you subtly drop it in there, you know. There's ways and means you could do this. And I think I've learned a lot of this from when I used to spend time in estate agent offices and watch the way women were interacting with an agent compared to the way a man was interacting nice. with an agent. Oh, that's really good. Good lessons. They're really good. I love yeah, that. no. So, Mary, I want to fast forward now. Um, from what you've told me on the architect scene, it kind of seems like you really, uh, you got a real good foundation there with some skills that you've learned that obviously have now been transferred into what you're doing. Can we talk a bit more about your HMO strategy? Because I remember on the last podcast, you said to me, I'm not interested in taking on small projects where you just paint a wall and change a carpet and have a gray feature well that's not me i want to do something creative so can we talk about how you just went straight into because am i right in saying you you and andrew went straight into an hmo you didn't do yeah, anything in between no no we did we did rent a service accommodation but that's got nothing to do with actually doing build projects that was to understand property a bit more and kind of just um uh, you know look at a different strand of income um, but yeah we um we were encouraged so uh, we came back from um, traveling in australia kind of working out there and stuff like that and and wanted to get straight into property and several times when i contacted brokers solicitors and stuff like that um, they told me that um that we had to buy buy to lets before we go into service accommodation uh, sorry go into hmos and because of my background i've done huge buildings you know and they the you know the minimum kind of building cost might have been three million or something like that and i was just like mm. oh my god to buy a single let oh <laughs> i just paint the carpet and paint it wall <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> You've designed bathrooms bigger than that, haven't you? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I was just like, oh, no, I can't do this. Um, and so we were just really determined and uh, and wanted to do bigger projects and projects that we could uh, get tangible value back. Because obviously with property, you're putting a certain amount of money and you want to get as much back as possible. So you want to do as much work on it as possible. So you do achieve that and you do it, for example, if you do extensions, lock conversions or something like that. And we wanted to 
we wanted to get buildings that were dilapidated, gutted out and get something sizable out of it. And I think for us, HMOs made a lot more sense because it's not kind of on the top of the food chain. It's not commercial conversion to start off with, but it's not buy to let either. So um, we thought, okay, HMOs are really good good kind of standing ground for us to start in and um you know come hella whole whole what, is, what did they say what's that saying <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> something like that um but yeah we were just like we just gotta do it and um and it was it wasn't easy to get our first um hmr mortgage so we had to have kind of bring in somebody who was a, a kind of a silent partner um, so we could actually get that mortgage, but we were so determined. So I think kind of for anybody listening, don't like if you actually really want something, there's a way to get it. Um, mm. And, you know, don't give up on it. So many people told us to give up on it. And for it, for a year or so, they were like, you should get by to let and you should let it and then get somebody to come on board. It's, sorry, then you would get your mortgage for a HMO. But we had no interest in it. I, di- I didn't mm. want to do a small project. So, you know, if you really want something, you, you make it happen. And that really got ingrained into me. I was like, I can make this happen. And my motto is, if there's a will, there's a way, and I make it happen. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you had your, you knew exactly what you wanted to do. There's loads of people trying to deter you along the way. And you was like, nope, I can only see that one thing and I'm going straight for it. Yeah, that's love it. that. So yeah, no, and and it's been an it's been a great great journey. And in terms of our uh, the HMOs that we do de- that we design, um, it's always high end HMOs. So we want to um, because um, because I'm an architect and I'm in, in involved in um, interior design as well. Um, for me, it's really important to get the best user experience. So end user experience is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and end user experience, a great end user experience comes in the way you lay your spaces and in the way that you um, finish your spaces and the experience that they get when they actually walk around a building and walk around the site and and you know the maneuverability how you lay out and where you lay out your kitchens your bathrooms everything is like an end user experience and you really got to kind of get into the psychology of people and understand design psychology and that's really important for me and um that's how like our our business model is and how our business is run Um, it's all about the end user experience and making the best spaces for people to live Mm, mm. yeah no i I totally agree with you i mean one of the things that's come and you know highlighted from covid is the importance of having a outdoor space you know and having a an area where people can you know work together or co-live together or you know just eat together and even now when i'm assessing projects i'm more like oh what does the garden look like whereas before it was always like how big are the rooms yeah it's like (laughs) garden can i take yeah yeah and it's like what can I do with this outdoor space because suddenly it's just flipped up and you know the outdoor space has become as more as just as important as as the rooms and the en-suites that was always oh we can just put five en-suites on here and we'll be fine with a nice kitchen diner but then you think if you have another wave of lockdown if you've got a nice big garden are you going to be a lot better than somebody else who hasn't got a garden and you know 
like you just said there, knowing knowing what your end user wants and trying to envisage how they're going to live and how they're going to move around the house. So I think that's really, really powerful stuff, what you just said there. And a lot of investors, it's always like, you know what, let's just squeeze another room in there rather than think, let's just make that into a communal space where people can chill. Yeah, you know? absolutely, yeah, and enjoy themselves. I think you made a really interesting point, actually, um, about people working from home. So in our... HMOs, like at the beginning when we were doing designs for HMOs, we noticed that a lot of people don't really put any desks in professional HMOs. That's what we Mm -hmm. focus on at the moment. We do um, kind of young professional HMOs. And a lot of people don't really put desks on, but we kind of just made the decision to allow for a desk space and to put a desk into um, kind of all our HMO rooms when we were designing it. Just because we thought, you know what, um, even if it becomes a makeup table or whatever it becomes, you know, a dumping, you know, where they dump stuff because they don't work there. It's something that they should be able to have. It's another piece of furniture or another space that they should be able to have and to be able to sit on. Um, And it's been a blessing in disguise because half of our tenants have been working from home. Mm. And, you know, they have that desk space. And they wouldn't be able to have that in some houses. And they wouldn't even have the, the space for it or the lo- location for it. When we got our new tenants, they were specifically like, oh, okay, how, like, how big is the desk? And do you have enough desk space? <laughs> monitors? And two monitors might be a bit difficult. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was really great to be able to, you know, say, yeah, we've got loads of desk space for you. Yeah, no, I think I think times are changing. And uh, like you said, having an area where people can work, that that's one of the things that we've really focused in on on our London HMO is that even in the communal area, we want to have a large area where people can sit with laptops and a super fast broadband throughout the house. And just going to the extent of making sure there's Ethernet ports in every room in case somebody wants to plug something in, in case somebody wants to plug a booster in. Because I think since March, COVID has highlighted for me that working from home has become massively important. And I reckon a lot of people are going to divert their staff from working from home to save on, you know, uh, uh, costs for office spaces and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, gosh, couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think stuff like that is really important. And you're right, Ethernet cables are really important now, especially with bigger buildings as well, where, you know, you're not just two stories. Maybe you've got a basement and you've got a top floor, um, a loft conversion or something like that. Um, I think, you know, to get really high-speed internet in there is really good. Mm. May talk me through one of your builds, please. What I want to know in, in particular is contractors and how they we're dealing with you personally as a woman on site because I've heard some horror stories in the past. I want to know what your experiences were as a woman telling a contractor or a builder, I want a wall here, I need a beam here, I need this out, I need that. How how did you come across to them and how were they to you? I think to... Um... In the beginning, not just in the beginning, actually, I think I have very kind of like a soft tone and I come forward quite friendly rather than direct. And so when I initially talk to contractors, builders, electricians, they really explain things to me like I've got I haven't got a clue. (laughs) That's a wire. (laughs) (laughs) The The other day. We got a new electrician and he was like, I was explaining about the consumer unit 
And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then he was just saying, oh, yeah, you know, we can do this or we can't do this. It, it goes like, like he was just telling me the real basics. I was like, yes, I know. You, you know, I know about this. You, <laughs> will, will you just listen to me? I, I need it moving. <laughs> but, um, yeah, kind of initially, I think they, um, they, they think that you don't know anything and you need a big explanation. But I think as soon as I kind of got, go above what they're saying and use their terminology, they, they very quickly learn that I know what it's about. And they very quickly learn that, you know, I've done this before um, and, and they, you know, they, they get the hang of it. I think very, very early on, because I've been in this industry for so long, very early on, I, like I told you, I used to get stung all the time and people didn't used to take me seriously at all. Mm. Um, but I've kind of learned how to deal with that. And I think it's, you know, it gets better and better. And it's a matter of kind of um, knowing your contractor and then how to work with them. I think it's kind of like a, a more of a two-way two relationship and them kind of having an understanding with you. So I think it's much improved, which is good. Mm-hmm. Do you think gender discrimination still exists in the property field and construction? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know... Uh, it's getting better, um, you know, which is really, really good. But being in the industry, again, being in the kind of the office environment industry, so being um, at university and being um, in, as an architect as well, uh, kind of every year we know that females in the same position get paid less than males in the same position. And wow. um, so there's a huge discrimination still in like in the whole of the industry, kind of not in the not just in the construction side of things. Yeah, I, I think there absolutely is. Um, but hopefully it's slowly changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I don't see why people think a man can do a job better than a woman, because I, I personally find it's the other way around. Generally, like you said before, you know, you said a, a woman's going to have more attention to detail, I find, whereas, you know, being a man myself, I've seen it, you know, we will cut certain corners or we will try and get away with certain things. And I've always found even working with my wife, if we're looking at a certain, say, if we're looking at a layout for a kitchen, she'll spot things and say, what about that tiny space there? And I'm like, well, we could just put a panel there. And it's like, but why? Or how is that person going to reach that? Or how is someone, if they're cooking here and if they need to move to here to wash something, how are they going to get through that island bit? And you're sitting there as a man, you're thinking, oh man, they'll figure it out, won't they? And it's like, (laughs) no, 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 no. And it comes back to what you said. It's going through that whole journey of how someone's going to be in that space. And I think that's where um, men ain't always very good at identifying <laughs> that, you know. And it's like my wife says to me all the time, you know, where am I going to go? I need a pantry because I need to get something out of there when I'm cooking. I don't want to be walking all the way down there. Or I said, why yeah. can't we put a utility room in a basement? Well, I have to go all the way to the basement, wash everything up, then bring it all the way up into the garden to hang stuff out. It doesn't make sense. For a man, you're thinking, well, that's not really a big deal, but... <laughs> when you start thinking about it logically, yes, there's a two-step process there. You've got to go downstairs. You've got to bring this up. So I definitely feel there's more attention to detail, um, especially when when especially when especially my wife overlooks something. I, I find that as well. Yeah. You're, Mary, a I ask, guy, oh, very, you're a lucky guy, so she's very intelligent. 
yeah no she is she is yeah she's she's the she's the real boss <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we know from our last interview <laughs> that was amazing likewise <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> Mary, i want to ask you a question if there are any ladies listening to this and thinking you know what i really want to get started in a property field. I'm a little bit concerned. It's, it's real man heavy. I don't know how I'm going to deal with contractors. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. You being someone who's gone through that, what would be your advice to them? I think, um, again, just my motto, if there's a will, there's a way. Uh, I think there is, there's huge opportunities for females in the construction industry. There's huge opportunities for females to get into property and work with, kind of everyone, uh, including contractors, builders, um, you know, planners to, um, you know, other architects and everyone, solicitors, everyone and state agents, every step of the way there. I think building, um, even if you kind of don't have confidence, your confidence grows as you grow as as an investor as a, as a, and a developer. And I think the best advice to give is to just learn and immerse yourself as much as possible so go to every networking event try to talk to kind of everyone has value so try to talk to everybody try to you know join different groups different facebook groups follow people on instagram listen to James's podcast, he's had amazing. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And there's just so much great information out there to immerse yourself. The more you learn, the more confident you become. And I think I can give that kind of as a personal thing, whereas when I started in the field, I had a lot less confidence. And it's in knowledge that you gain confidence. So the more you go out there, put yourself out there, do it and learn from other people, and um, it's just a matter of time that you, you know, you'll become amazing and, you know, you can do property investment in your sleep, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes Mary, a lot easier and a, more, a lot more natural. So get the knowledge, then you've got the power. Absolutely. Yeah. Mary, am I right in saying you're part of a group called, is it Sisters in Property? Yeah, Property Sisters. I am. Yeah, it's brilliant. Really do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So Property Sisters um, is a really, really um, strong network of um, investor females who have kind of come together and want to share knowledge. It's not um, exclusive. So it's not that, you know, males are excluded or anything like that. It's just to empower other females. Um, and I know in lots of our podcasts and stuff, like not podcasts, sorry, in our um, sessions, brunch sessions and stuff like that, we do get males in there and it's great. But it's basically to empower everyone. And um, we've got a YouTube channel and there's um, WhatsApps and um, websites and stuff like that that you can contact Property Sisters through. And um, there's lots of meetups as well, which aren't happening at the moment. Uh, <laughs> but we do all the online meetups as well. And um, so if you do want to, um, if you do want to get involved, you know, contact me or contact um, Ruth Hobbs, who's the um, 
and Gillian Hobbs, who are the main uh, sisters who started to run um, Property Sisters. And it's a really, really good network. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm someone who is, you know, uh, when, when Property Sisters talk and they talk um, about the different things they do and they're communicating on WhatsApp, these women are doing some amazing things that, you know, you don't get from any other communication. They're doing some huge work works like massive mm. <laughs> massive commercial works and stuff like that so it's just so inspiring to see females doing that and and you think because like in the like you were saying James when you do go to these meetups and stuff like that females don't tend to say out loud what they do whereas men do mm-hmm. and these women are doing enormous projects so <laughs> join these groups so you're just like oh my god what are you doing <laughs> so i feel like a little fish in their big pond actually <laughs> I've, i actually subscribed to the youtube channel because i caught that uh, sketch up session that you did which i thought was pretty pretty amazing you know i missed the webinar on it and yeah. someone pointed me to the youtube channel and uh, yeah that was a really really good session really insightful oh, nice one thank you yeah any 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 more sketch of things you need james give me a shout (laughs) i will do i certainly will i did actually reach out i think to ruth hobbs to come on the women in property um series but i don't know i don't know what response i got back i can't remember actually i think i think it might have been a slightly odd response if i can remember because the name is ringing a bell but i won't (laughs) go into that too much so Mary, maybe your introduction wasn't quite right <laughs> did you do course. a man introduction to yourself no no it wasn't actually I think it was more so like you know we really want to focus on women in property oh, doing no, big no. things um I don't know I don't know maybe I'll reach out to her again because her name kept getting recommended she kept getting recommended to come on right. to come on and yeah I, I don't think she did but hey <laughs> anyway Mary, if, if, if there's anybody out there who wants to get in contact with you, where's the best place for them to reach you? Absolutely. So um, you can contact me on Facebook or Instagram. We're mainly on Instagram at Elite Investor Group. Um, you can also um, email us at team at eliteinvestorgroup.com. Um, and, yeah, anything social media-wise, um, we're at at eliteinvestorgroup.com oh, you had, <laughs> had to, you had think, to about think about that for a minute <laughs> and because um, everything's elite investor group <laughs> not that difficult but you can contact me on linkedin as well and that's mary osman osman uh, I'm, I'm not that active on it i should mm. um because it's a, it's a really good platform and in case anybody's wondering, Mary is the boss out of Andrew and Mary. We have had this confirmed live on a previous podcast and she's not denying it at all. <laughs> no, he doesn't deny it. It's all fine. Everything he's, is a, <laughs> he, he's a sensible man. It's exactly. He knows what's good. Well, Mary, thank you very much again. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've now been able to speak to you twice on the j 2 podcast. And I think you've offered up some really insightful stuff for ladies. And like I said, I really wanted to get you on because I feel you've got some really, really strong skills in design. And I think people should really go and follow your Instagram page because it's fantastic. And I'm loving Cold Cold World that's just been finished. And what did I see the other day that really stood out was the Rouge Room. I looked at that and I was like, wow, what? this is like a hotel. I know. So that the Rouge Room is um, 
an interior design project I did with a, a she's an informal client and mentee of of ours she's absolutely lovely um but yeah she was just really determined for um for me to uh, do the interior design for the place so yeah got us got us involved in it it was a really beautiful experience it was an old victorian uh, building it was beautiful and i was just like oh i can turn this into such a nice place so yeah i've actually started um doing um interior design for um other uh, other investors which is which is really nice actually <laughs> i strongly encourage everybody to go and follow the instagram page because it's really inspiring really uplifting and you guys are doing some amazing things lovely thank you thanks so much for having me on james it's a pleasure just conversing with you it's just so nice <laughs> to talk to you and come on the uh, j2 hub please anybody look at listen to all of his episodes there's some gems of information and um, that james puts forward and has great great interviews just love it love everything that you do thanks james oh mary i really appreciate that and i think uh, the time has almost come for us to physically all meet up and have that cold drink together we've been talking about it for That's a while right. i think <laughs> we're getting closer so thank you once again for joining me on the j2 hub podcast it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for tuning in to the j2 hub podcast with james sahota if you like the podcast feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from james and if you got value from this podcast do take the time to leave us a review on itunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from and remember you're never too late to become something you truly want to become